Hello and welcome to the Business of Data podcast. My name is Catherine King and I'll be your host. In this podcast, we chat to senior executives from a range of departments, industries and functions, all about their passions, experiences and challenges within data analytics. Let's go ahead and dive straight into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Business of Data podcast. This week, we're talking all about data-driven reality, specifically how to ensure data drives aspirations and theory becomes reality. To do just that, I have brought in the wonderful Simon Aspen-Taylor, who is the data lead for Lloyd's. Now, I'm sure many of you have met Simon at our various UK conferences, but for those listening around the world, just a few intro facts about Simon. So he has been with Lloyd's since August 2020. Prior to Lloyd's, Simon has worked within the Rank Group, Booper, Tesco and IBM as well. Now, if you can't find Simon at his work desk, your best bet would be to head outside where you'll either find him enjoying a walk or practicing his photography. Welcome to the show, Simon. Hello, nice to see you. Absolutely. It's great to catch up. So I'm going to dive in with my uh, nosy question, as is the bod pod tradition. So has photography always been a passion of yours? Uh, and or has it been something you've you started to do because of uh, lockdown and having a little bit extra time? Yeah, and no, I think it's the, the, the lockdown things. So I'd always had a camera and a, and a good camera and I'd always used it on automatic. And actually, you know, when you start to use a camera properly, you know, you've got a great camera, it does lots of things. And as soon as I started using it properly, of course, it makes things worse because you can change everything. <laughs> and as you change things, automatically it gets worse. So I did a few, so Nikon opened up all their courses online. I did that and, um, but part of that, and so it was good. So it got worse to start with, then it started getting better. And then it became really geeky, which is a data person is absolutely spot on. So, so love that. But I think for me, it's, um, there's a creative part of it, which is, you know, the left brain is all the sort of analytical thinking, all those sort of things. So mm -hmm. it's about using the right side of the brain, which is a bit more imagination, you know, and a bit more sort of artistic and everything else. So, so I kind of like doing that. And I think it's good for you anyway to do a bit of that. So anyway, that's my creative side. I absolutely love that. And I think that's so interesting, as you say, it's why I ask these nosy questions, Simon, as you know, from listening to other episodes, you, you get to find out a bit, bit about uh, people that you perhaps wouldn't know. But I do find it interesting, actually, how you've drawn that comparison between kind of that techie data side of yourself, because obviously, when it comes to photography, if you're taking landscapes, there's certain kind of rules of thumbs to follow in terms of a third of the of the uh, ground space and background and all of that stuff. So it's, it's quite complimentary, but it's really exciting to see uh, different ways it can be applied as well and I'm, I'm not going to try and draw too many puns to say about it getting worse before it gets better when we talk about data <laughs> analytics because I think there's several stories we could all tell about yeah. it certainly becoming worse before uh, it gets better amazing yeah. well let's dive straight into it now I know when we've caught up before uh, you've told me you're a huge believer that there's a big difference between the theory of being data driven and then the practicalities of actually being data-driven and what that means. So why are you so, so passionate about this distinction between theory and reality? I think it probably took me a little while to realize what it was all about, but really it's about the sort of delivery and outcomes. So when you're trying to do something, you know, what you want is to, to get the results. That's the bit that we all go to work to do to see I've done something. And as a result, I have some measured improvement. So, so whereas the theory part of it, you know, you're talking about data governance, data quality, regression analysis, privacy, all kinds of things, you know, GDPR, you know, that that's kind of interesting. And, and, and some people are focused on those things. But, but that's not the way a CEO would see it, you know, and I always think of that lens of CEO, 
key stakeholders and shareholders, what is the lens they look at? And the only reason they want data people in is to drive more revenue, reduce costs, reduce risk, you know, improve customer satisfaction and employee satisfaction. So, so I think when you present things to your key stakeholders, you have to look at it through those lenses. So it doesn't mean, I think, well, it does mean that you still use the same data engineering and data science capabilities underneath. It's just, you don't lead with that. You never lead with those things. You lead with, if you want to do this, I can help you. And here is a way that working with your, you know, marketing folks, we think we can generate more leads and therefore increase our revenues. And by the way, do you want to know how we do it? No, I don't want to know how we do it. So, so as long as you know how to do it, I'm happy. That's a good conversation. So, so, and it does mean you do have to have those knowledges and the knowledge and capability. You do need to know the theory underneath. It's just, you don't need to expose that to people. They just need to know you've got it and know how to do it. Absolutely. And I think that there is a kind of that discourse within the community that actually data literacy needs to be widespread in the fact that people do have a full understanding. But as you say, you wouldn't go into any other department and ask them to fully explain everything they're doing. You trust that those experts know what they're doing. And actually, as you say, it's about extracting that meaningful part of the story and telling that part uh, the, the the big work that's done behind it doesn't necessarily need to be explained every single time. Now, I believe I'm right in saying that you're absolutely so passionate about this that you've actually recently finished writing a book I believe can you tell me a bit more about it that, that is true I'm probably not the first person that's um, written a data book but I mean the, the the book itself is really about trying to take my 30 something years of experience and I've pretty much always been in data which is probably quite unusual um, but but taking that knowledge the things that I got right, many of the things I got wrong was too. And that was quite, that's quite um, difficult to do, but it's also quite cathartic to explain why things went wrong and actually to help other people learn from those things. So really it's about, you know, knowing what you can do and, and how you can start making progress at different stages. So, so organizations go through different levels of maturity, you know, so, so I kind of go through five levels of maturity from aspire to mature, industrialize, realize, and differentiate. And as you start doing some things, you know, when, when you first start doing it, you realize that's great, but then you realize I need to do more of it and we need to mature things. And then as you mature things, you realize, actually you could build five data science models as a data science team then you end up running them. So if you don't automate things, then you can't, you know, you, you end up doing the running of the things rather than building more things. So you have to automate things more. And then if you don't start generating real value at scale, then, you know, people are going to say you're in a, uh, a very small team and it won't grow and it won't solve the problems across the organization. And then ultimately you're trying to differentiate your organization. So it's about what are the things you can do across those those different stages um but the title of the book is probably a bit of a mouthful so, so it's kind of data and analytics strategy for business unlocking the data assets and increasing innovation with a results driven data strategy which you know that's that's where we've ended up with the title well it's certainly a comprehensive title for for, for want of a better <laughs> word um but yeah i what i really like about that simon is actually 
the fact that you've admitted straight away there, I'm, I'm going to be talking about the things I've learned and you, you, you framed it as mistakes, but I don't think there's such thing or, or kind of missteps. They are lessons learned, right? And the fact that you're empowering your readers and your audience to say, this is what I did. It didn't work out for whatever reason it is that you go into the detail of, this is what I do. It means that they can then learn from that and then not repeat the same mistakes or missteps or however you want to frame it. So what drove you to write this book right now? Well, I think you've, you've probably just answered the question. I, I think it's kind of several things. So, so first of all, it's that experience and, you know, it's about doing things wrong. And I'm, I'm always I'm always trying to learn new things. And uh, and I guess one of the things that you, you learn quite quickly is if you can explain things, it's because you understand it. So for me, you know, if, if I'm trying to figure out what a problem is and how to go about it, you know, you get to that point of if you can explain it to someone and they get it, then you probably know how to do it. So for me, that's been a lesson throughout. Uh, and bear in mind that data science you know, is a science, is experimental. And you know, I, I guess doing those things in data, there was, no, um, there was no group of people going before me who, who were saying, this is how to do it. And, and there haven't been. You know, it's, it, it's a new industry, a new capability that is bringing together sort of business and technology and a bunch of very specific skills around quality and governance and privacy, all of those things, bringing them all to bear. And it's new. And I think people are trying to find their feet in that. So as I did, and, and that's why, you know, um, finding out what went wrong, I think it would be good to share that with other people, when you, as you mentioned, you know, so, so, so I tried this, it didn't work. And then sharing some of the things that did, but being very practical about it and um and i think the other thing is i mentor quite a few people every year i'll pick up mentoring of a few people and a lot of these questions come out about well so, so how did that work and one of the things that i discovered about the book is i started off writing a textbook and someone told me it was rubbish and, and, and it was really good feedback because <laughs> actually what it was was it had the right information in but people couldn't quite figure out you, you couldn't buy into it because it wasn't mm. personal enough you wanted to understand yeah. a bit more about the journey which is the bit that i will do with mentoring you know people say well how did that work and you went, oh actually and then you explain you had a bit of a kicking over something and how that went wrong and yeah all oh, right that's really good that's good to know then it means something to someone so actually you know figuring out how to bring that out how to explain to someone that they can go wow i don't want that to happen to me therefore do it for the right reasons that that's absolutely critical absolutely yeah. it makes me it makes me smile that you've almost gone through the data storytelling process yourself where you presented yeah. the data as it were and people weren't buying into it but suddenly you give that story and that meaning that value to the audience and suddenly they're bought in so much more because they get it and i think it's such an interesting point you raise because i speak to so many people on the podcast on the show and the various things that we do and you know from a very i was about to say small organizations but that's not even true in itself people that say I am the first head of data I'm the first whoever in that department because it is so new and I think we forget this especially given you know Cranium has done events for many years in this space you kind of get caught up that this is you know normal but for many organizations data analytics is brand new and even for those who are doing incredible amazing things it's still one of the newer departments within uh, the the wider uh, departmental world of, of business and I think sometimes we have to give ourselves a little bit of a break in in that context as well so you, you mentioned there that you're certainly not the first to write a a data book 
And um, I, I would encourage everyone uh, who's listening to connect with one of my global advisor, advisory board members, Mina Kaha. She is the most prolific reader of data books out there. She reads mm -hmm. them all under the sun. So if you if you want uh, good reviews, uh, head over and connect with Mina. But the question I want to ask you, Simon, is how is yours different um, from, from the other books that are out there? Because I believe there's some cool little features within your book as well. Yeah. So... so... I'm, I'm naturally quite critical of myself. I think I am probably one of my own best critics. And, and I've read, and so I think you can see behind me, there are a bunch of data books on the shelf, you know, which are about data quality and strategy and, and everything else. And, and they all have their place. But one of the things that, that I discovered certainly in talking to the you know, publisher was, because you think writing a book is the difficult bit and mm -hmm. actually it took me a couple of years to bring the content together um and and then i thought it wasn't good enough i thought i was writing a textbook as i mentioned and wanted to make yeah, the yeah, storytelling yeah. right so people understand it but then a key element was the publisher turned around to me i had some various discussions with publishers and they said well there are data books why is it different so exactly that question so, so I was forced to go away and consider that. So there are a couple of books that I hadn't read, which I did. I tried to work out which ones had had the greatest readership so that I understood where they came from, because that's relevant. But actually, the, the, the thing behind it was that there weren't enough, um, you know, what, what I would sort of call the sort of crown jewels in there. People would talk around subjects, but actually didn't necessarily say, you know, these are the things that would make a big difference. Mm -hmm. so, so, so you mentioned, you know, some of those little things in the book. One of the things in the book is, is what I'd call the data periodic table. And, and if you imagine that periodic table that we all loved or hated, depending on whether you like chemistry, you know, was, you know, you look at all those elements. And for me, what I've done is to say, these are the things based on, um, you know, those 30 years of experience that you can do with data. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in one color on the left, it's all the things you can do to drive revenue. What are the things you can do to reduce your cost? What are the things you can do to reduce your risk? And, and they drive down into subtasks and how you might deliver those. You know, so as an example, you know, if you want to increase revenue, then an obvious thing that most people would know about is you want to do some cross-selling. So in order to do that, you need to look at some of the products you've got, some of the customers, work out what works well, and then say, okay, why can we apply this and sell more of that? And then what technology do you use? What data tools and how do you do it? So it's about bringing those things out, making it a bit more real. So you don't start off, you know, reading a book and then going away and say, well, now what do I do? So, so actually the book becomes something you can use, share with, um, you know, I would expect, you know, CEOs and COOs to be able to read it. So, and I would expect, you know, and I've actually got a few business schools as well to agree to use the book as part of their course. So it has those textbook elements then, but rather than being kind of textbook in format, it's layered with, here's my story, now here's a practical takeaway that you can bring back to the office, bring back to uh, your home office, it might still be, um, yeah. and, and really practically use those, I love that. Yeah, and I think it's important that it can be used by, you know, business stakeholders as much as data leaders, because sometimes, you know, business stakeholders will make demands of their data leaders without necessarily understanding the implications. So this is something that will help educate them too. So mm -hmm. it's kind of, that's the, that's the goal. Amazing. Do we have uh, a date of release yet? Do we know when it's going to be coming out? Yeah. So, so what I haven't realized is how complex the publishing process <laughs> is. 
<laughs> you know, I was very naive on that. You know, I was a data person, not a publishing person. So yes, it'll be published beginning of next year, but it has to go through so many checks and balances and controls. You know, mm -hmm. I've done, you know, all the illustrations. So I managed to get a really cool illustrator, Toby Tinsley, to do a whole load of illustrations and, and everything else. So, you know, that's all come together. But yeah, it takes a long time to go through that process. So it's all written. And it's, you know, it's now going through final editorial and all those sort of things. Amazing. Well, I know the pre-orders are certainly going to be on a lot of people's Christmas lists this year uh, going forward. So we started off uh, talking about theory into practice, and I'm going to pivot us to go back to that because the next uh, on my notes, I'd always draw up notes of what I want to talk to my wonderful guests about. And I've got walk the walk because I think you've done the talk the talk part mm -hmm. and okay. I want to do the walk the walk part now because I want to I want to dive a bit more into into your role within Lloyd as well, because I know you're doing some really fantastic stuff. So we said there's a real big difference between the theory and the reality. Um, so let's dive into, like I say, your, your role within Lloyd's. What are you doing practically to ensure that the whole market is data driven? And I, I appreciate we have a global audience that listens to this podcast. So I think actually what might be good to begin with, Simon, as I say, the whole market is just explain what the whole market actually means. Yeah. So, so many roles are focused within their own organization or within their own supply network. Um, Lloyd's is an insurance market, so it is, you know, it consists of 2,000 participants. Um, it is the uh, somewhat unusual in, in insurance market in the sense it's not commodity insurance. It's not about, you know, life insurance, cars, homes. Mm -hmm. It's all the things like how would you insure all of, you know, Hilton's hotels? How would you insure oil rigs? How would you insure ships, which is something that Lloyd's have been doing, you know, since the 1600s. So, so it's a... They're the big, unusual, complex things, you know. So, you know, whether that be, you know, also ensuring things like Ronaldo's legs, thinking of, you know, football and everything. It, it's kind of things that people do uh, and everything else and uh, and everything else. So fascinating, but a little bit unusual. So, so it's a global market. Um, the UK insurance market is is the largest in the world. So, so it's a massive market, and Lloyd's is about fifty percent of, of that insurance market. Wow. So, so it's a massive deal. Um, and of course, all those participants, they all have to share data with each other through their various stages of the life cycle. So, so from when a risk is first placed by a customer who will come along and say, we want to insure something, it then goes through a broker, it goes through an underwriter, the risk is placed, it's then finally agreed. And then if there's a claim, then it has to be paid out, it has to be regulated and has to be controlled in all those stages. So, so it's, it's a complex process. Um, when, when most of what people see is, I just want to insure something, how much is it going to cost me to get it done? But behind that, there are a lot of data flows and a lot of complexities. So, so the answer to the question is, when you're doing something across a market, what you have to watch out for is that everyone understands what the overall strategy is. So we wrote a data-driven strategy called Blueprint 2, which you can Google and look up, made it available in the public domain. And, and that's unusual, I think. So, so, so most data strategies are internal. This is very much external and publicly available and can, you can download it and look at it. So, so that was critical. I think the next part is because of the participants, you're not actually, you're not in control. You know, you're actually working with people to do it. So with the participants and with suppliers and platforms and everything else. So, so what you're trying to do is influence more than control. And, and you know you want an outcome, which is a more efficient marketplace and also to grow the marketplace as well. So, yeah. so those are the, the two objectives. 
So I think you have to focus on engagement across all the participants, across the platforms. You have to understand that they all have a different perspective on it. Some are data savvy, some are less so. Um, and one of the things that we did, so apart from publishing the strategy, one of the things we did as well was to get people involved in crowdsourcing. Because if, you, if I said to you, I know the answer on something, you might well then start questioning it. Whereas if we work together on an answer, it feels a bit more inclusive. So, so that's one of the things we did was to use a, a tool that enabled the market to you know, contribute and to, you know, I suppose, critique what we've done and everything else, which, which just improves engagement. Absolutely. I'm so glad I got you to clarify just the extent of Lloyd's, because I think there'll be there'll be some listeners who are very, very familiar with with the market, others that aren't. So so the question I asked you is actually huge, right? Trying to, to get uh, everyone kind of singing from the same hymn sheet, as it were. What did you think were going to be the potential barriers to success um, with with kind of bringing everything together a little bit more with this strategy? Um, and how are you preparing to dismantle those barriers? Yeah, I, I think um, you can provide a strategy, but actually you don't know what other organizations agendas are. Uh, and I think, you know, it could be they're in a different place. It could be they want to sit back and see what's going on. It could be they're just desperate to get on with it and they say, tell us what the guidelines are because we want to start making that program. So, so I think you, you don't know what their agendas are. And because there are so many participants, there is no one agenda. It's not, it's not a homogenous market in that sense. So, so I think that's, that's the first thing is you can't make assumptions. Um, you know, you have to ask and, and you have to be prepared to learn new things and understand that, you know, there may be challenges you didn't know about. There were people's worries in this, so about whether they might lose some business, whether things might go differently, you know, people worrying about their jobs and things. When you change anything, people always worry about those things. So individuals, you know, you speak to individuals, you're not speaking to an organization, you know, and, and I think understanding that different stakeholders in different levels of the organization. So we spoke to CEOs, COOs, you know, heads of data, we spoke to heads of underwriting, heads of broking all with their different roles, all with you know, different concerns and everything else. A key element is trust, because actually what you're then trying to do is make change. And what they don't know is whether you're doing it for the right reason. And you know, are you trying to take control of things? Are you trying to, so, so, so understanding that. Um, and, and I guess the key part on, on that is you have to create absolute transparencies. So, so one of, an example of that is that although we wanted to um, collect more data and different data um, and, and maybe because that's a key part of that market efficiency one of the issues you think about is data privacy so, so if you collect data from participants it's got to be kept privately but actually what we want to do is go above and beyond that and think about ethics so so that's the trust part for me is if you say to people this is how so we're going to build we're going to collect this data but we'll only use it for this purpose we're going to build an algorithm and this is what it looks like. So suddenly you have to be really transparent. And that for me is ethics. You only do what you say you're gonna do and you do it for the right reasons. That was, that was a big deal. But just understanding different organizations, um, states of readiness and, and, and trying to be empathetic to, to, to that. Now, I'm, I'm keen to kind of backpedal slightly where you were saying having different conversations with these different departments and you say they had different worries. Now, was it that they 
needed because I understand we, we you know we've covered it several times on the podcast before where we say you need to tell the story in a different way to different people the head of marketing needs to know about uh, data in a different way to finance it's just the way that these departments work but were there concerns similar or were the concerns quite different about the, the projects you were doing so I think you know operational people were worried about you know so, so how do we make it happen you know finance people are we going to get the benefits? So we stated that we were going to deliver 800 million worth of benefits to the market. So, so that's clearly published and, uh, and everything else. And everyone's going, well, how does that apply? So a finance perspective, they wanted to know, will they see the benefits? And actually what happens is, of course, those benefits apply to different parts of organizations. And also, you know, not every organization will get those benefits because they will already have done some of that work already. So, so I think, you know, translating that and I think that's about stepping into someone else's shoes and saying, where are you coming at this from? Okay. And, and we're trying to do a lot more of that where you really sort of say, you know, let's go inside your organization, work out what your problems are, and then see whether what we're doing will, will actually make that change. You can't be in, in any way too prescriptive and say, we're doing this and it's going to make that difference. You've, you've got to validate it. And, you know, you've got to be prepared to put an answer out there to say, this is what we think it is what do you think of that and feel free to critique it because if yeah. you start with a blank sheet of paper you'll never get anywhere but but that's the point you have to be able to say we don't think this is the answer this is just you know maybe there's some options here which one do you prefer so a little bit more experimental and certainly more consultative that's the way that you then don't offend anyone but you really tease out of them from their perspective what's important amazing and then you you went on to then mention ethics have you had to do much demystifying around ethics? Because unlike other areas of data analytics, I think uh, AI, machine learning, and obviously ethics and privacy have been very much in the normal media. So I feel like everyone, regardless of who, who you are in relation to data, is receiving some information about it. Yeah. Have you had to do much demystifying? Is there already programs kind of ongoing within Lloyd's that does this? Um, what's that look like with regards to ethics? Yeah, so, so, so we have. And one of the things that, that I did was to bring in a, you know, a qualified lawyer who's a specialist in data privacy, but also understands, you know, ethics and everything else. Because then, you know, in, in having those discussions, if you talk to, you know, a general counsel, you know, or head of risk or, you know, head of legal in an organization, they may have that legal background. So if they get a tech person or a data person or or maybe even someone who is explaining to them in more of a sales way, they're not going to relate to that. So actually having someone who is a qualified lawyer who will say, by the way, this is what it means legally and everything else. That's really the way you get around it. So, so, so it's sort of taking that bit that I mentioned earlier about you've got to talk someone else's language. It's about having people that, you know, someone can respect and understand talking their language as well. And I suppose there's that kind of impartiality as well, the fact that it's not data people telling you the data thing's good. If you've got someone that's from outside of it saying, actually, we've looked at this and, you know, this is what it means within the law. There's that kind of objectivity as well, which I yeah. think gives confidence in, in what you're doing. So the, the last question I always like to, to finish uh, the podcast on, Simon, is if there is, say, one or two key takeaways that you'd love our audience and our listeners to, to bring away from them after listening to this podcast, what would it be? Yeah, I'll go back to one of the first things, which is focusing on the business outcomes. So irrespective of who your stakeholder is, 
understand what they want to get out of it and talk their language. So, so whether that be, you know, a chief exec, CFO, you know, and whenever you're talking about a project or a program and what you're doing, start with that. And then if they want more, then you can always talk about the detail. I'd see it as being a bit like a film. You know, you watch a film and you don't necessarily know how it was all put together. But if someone forced you to watch the making of the movie before you watched it, then actually it wouldn't be so exciting. What you actually want to see is the movie. So start off with that. And then if someone says, that's really cool, how do you do that action theme? Then you can explain how you did it. So, so, so kind of start with a story, explain it in their language. That's probably number one. And I guess the second one is that I've not dealt with the market in this way before. And what it says is you've got to exaggerate things a little bit more, you know, in terms of engagement. So I think it's okay with engagement to, to exaggerate. And people always tell you, you know, you can actually back off a little bit. You don't need to do that so much. Start with that. So do more engagement. There's no harm in it. And actually it will get you somewhere quicker. Absolutely love that, Samuel. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm very excited about the book coming out next year. It certainly will be on the Christmas list. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you real soon. Thank you, Catherine. We hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. Do be sure to subscribe and follow the Business of Data podcast wherever you're currently listening to ensure you're always first in line to the latest episode. We'd also appreciate your review as well. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us a review. And as always, find us on socials as well as heading over to the Business of Data platform for more forms of great content, including articles, blogs, and video. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you real soon.